Welcome to mini-podcast number 25, Lauren's Wedding. A few days ago, my husband performed a marriage of his granddaughter, Lauren, and her fiancé, Felipe. Before pronouncing them husband and wife, he gave the following advice. We often use the phrase falling in love to describe attraction between a boy and a girl or a man and a woman who are struck by Cupid's arrow. Probably everyone has fallen in love at one time or another. In fact, it is common for young people to fall in love frequently during their formative years. It is, of course, an undeniable feeling, even a magnetic attraction, and can cause people to do silly things. Cupid is often depicted as being blind. Love occupies a major portion of our dance, poetry, music, art, literature, etc. It also occupies a great deal of our time. It drives our economy as well. It is nature's way of continuing the species. It is one of the paradoxes of life that opposites attract. Many people are forever chasing love, which is like the will of the wisp, very elusive. Some frequently change partners, ever seeking that lost magic. Unrequited love is the primary source of heartbreak and consequently dominates romantic literature. Most romantic songs are about lost love. A popular song during the rock and roll era was You've Lost That Love Feeling. The problem, of course, with falling in love is that it doesn't last, and a marriage that is based entirely on that elusive feeling will not last. Falling in love may bring couples together, but only growing in love will keep them together. I would like to compare growing in love to planting a garden. I shall use a peculiar example. I love birds. Therefore, in my yard, I keep a bird feeder, or actually several bird feeders. I prefer black oiled sunflower seeds. It brings the red cardinals and the yellow finches. I have a constant battle with squirrels. Those furry little devils are delightfully clever, even ingenious at robbing bird feeders and sometimes destroying them. To protect my seeds, I put them in a large plastic container with a strong lid. My mistake was thinking that I could keep the container outside. In my absence, a squirrel chewed through the lid of the container. Consequently, rainwater got into the seeds, causing them to sprout, and I had to throw them away. When I opened the lid, the fermentation nearly knocked me over. I dumped some of the sprouting seeds under the bird feeder. Looking at the seeds, I decided to plant some of them in Linda's garden. Linda is a great gardener. She labors over her garden. She tills the soil, plants the seeds, weeds the garden, hoes the soil, and waters the plants, and generally hovers over them lovingly. I knew she would take care of the seeds. A funny thing happened. The seeds that I threw down under the bird feeder had a rough time. To avoid weeds, Linda had covered the ground with pine needles. Even against those odds, the seeds grew, but the flowers were stubby things, like the sunflowers you see beside the road, small, somewhat attractive, but unproductive and scrawny. However, the seeds from the same container that I planted in Linda's garden grew to be six or seven feet tall with huge flowers. Love is like those seeds. They grow according to the soil in which they are planted. 
Just as a gardener must till the soil, fertilize it, plant the seeds, water and cultivate it for the plants to grow and bear fruit, so must partners in marriage tend to the garden of love. The rich soil of love is charity. Paul lists 16 attributes of charity necessary to fertilize the soil of love. He said, Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. If you wish love to grow, it must be planted in the rich soil of charity. Imagine a couple who are patient with each other's faults. In other words, they who suffer long, who are kind to each other, who do not envy each other, who do not put themselves before their spouse, who are not puffed up or burdened by pride, who do not behave themselves unseemingly, who seek the other's welfare rather than their own, who are not easily provoked. Love cannot grow in the household of contention, who do not think evil of each other, who do not rejoice in sin, who together put Christ first, who hope together for all good things, who endure all things. Love will grow in a marriage planted in the rich soil of charity. The weeds of love, of course, are the small contentions that arise, the differences of opinion that cause a quarrel, the distractions of life. Weeds strangle the plant and take the energy from the soil. Weeds are anything that kill love or come between a husband and a wife. Weeds must be removed before they take root. Living the principles of charity will remove all weeds. A good garden to thrive requires rain. Today we do not depend upon the weather. We irrigate the soil. We can control the amount of water. In love, I consider rain to be constant acts of kindness, bringing flowers, saying kind words, avoiding criticism, praising any time praise is due, encouraging when the other is down. Small things will keep love alive. Falling in love is wonderful, even necessary, but it is short-lived. It is the taste of love that has to be constantly repeated. Growing in love is better, for it is everlasting and produces better fruit. As Paul says, charity never fails. Let me give Paul the final word, for they perfectly fit the formula for a happy marriage. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Charity. 